Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this man here is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek, how are you? Hello, David. <laughs> you entertained yourself there. I don't know what. Have you noticed? Uh, I always ask you how you are, and you never, you never reply to that bit. You never tell me how you are. No one ever says um, uh, uh, replies to how are you. Do you they? think that's why? How are you? And you just go hi. It's Did just. It, it, I think how I use um, change in just an expression to think it, people use it automatically. Like subba, we use subba. Yeah. So if someone said, "Oh, I'm not very away," think, oh, pff. I've got to listen to this crap now <laughs> for five minutes. Okay. Oh, my dog's just spunked up. Uh, is that good or bad? Well, it depends where it landed. Yes, yeah, true. Always true. depends where it lands. <laughs> That's wisdom. Years in the game. I'll tell you what I've been up to. Oh, what have you done? Well, uh, my girlfriend introduced me to Pinterest. Right. Which I thought was quite boring, first of all, until I realised you can... Uh, there's a thing, a craze, which lots of artists have been doing, probably for years, and I'm, uh, forgive me for being about 20 years late, where artists, they do... You've probably seen them. They redesign film logos. Oh, yeah. Film posters. Film posters, yeah, yeah. So, and there's some absolutely brilliant ones. I mean, Jaws is a good example. Right. You go and look at the Jaws one. One of my favourite ones was someone's just taken a moment where you have Quint's hand scratching down the board. Yeah. And in chalk, it's a shark. And that's, oh, that's just nice. So just taking the only moments from the, the, the film. Um, and there's... Uh, I really recommend going on um, Pinterest. If you are bored and you do like films... You can't actually go on Pinterest, though, can't you, without an account? Yes, yeah, so I've made up an account to right, do okay. it. And um, I've, I, there's a brilliant one. of I like the Iron Giant poster. There's a good Labyrinth poster, which is of David Bowie's oh, face nice. in the rock. A great, there's all sorts of great different ones. And there's a brilliant American Wealth in London one, where it's a map of England and the island. And you think, what's it got to do American Wealth in London until you see the whale's sort of groaning face in the sort of entwined in the map that's nice um, I would basically that's like to there. see Drew Strutson do oh that's great do uh, the do all one. posters you know he's the guy who did the Indiana Jones and the Star Wars ones and it's that very hand painted style do you know the, the guy I mean yes um, and uh, it's the one that people have tried to emulate but they're never quite as good since then um, there's a great Rocky one which is done in the style of uh, uh, Vertigo with uh, him running along up steps in the shadow of him, which oh, yeah, I've seen great. that one before. That's great. But so, if you are bored, 
look on um, Pinterest and you can see the hundreds and hundreds of different interpretations of films and it's very uh, entertaining way to spend an evening at home not speaking to anyone. Before we start, we should say that we are sponsored by HerFilmProject.com, who are an organisation that help promote diversity in film. So, if you'd like to uh, check out what they do, then please do go to HerFilmProject.com or follow at HerFilmProject on Twitter. So, things up for bedwetters and stuff like that? Uh, for anyone who's, you know, in a minority of such. I mean, they, the reason they're called Her Film Project is they started by promoting uh, female voices in film, but now they're diversifying to all sorts of diverse diversity. But I, I don't think bedwetters, I mean, really are a minority. I expect lots of people do it, don't they, still? I, I don't know if it's a majority, though, Marek. Is, is it a majority of people still wear the bed? I think quite a lot of people still oh, do. I mean, quite possibly. I, mean, I, mean, I know I do, but I, 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 I assumed I was alone. I mean, how, how many days... It, to be a bedwetter, mm. officially, do you have to do it more than well, four days a week? If you do it three days, that's seven a week. I think you're still a bedwetter if you do it three days a week. I mean, well, one day a week. Really? I mean... Well, I mean, yeah. What, what, once a month? What's the... I, I think you, you actually uh, medically have to have stopped wetting the bed entirely to no longer be a bedwetter. Oh, that's a once every year? You'd still be a bedwetter, yeah. Wet ten years? Still a bedwetter. Well, no, you are. <laughs> well, I, I know I am, yeah. Well, I'm, it's whenever I get in a bed immediately. It's just like... Really? The gates open, yeah. What about the watch, looking through bed catalogues? <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll do it as well. God, but watching TV after Christmas is a nightmare for you. Absolutely terrible. Watching bed knobs and broomsticks. Oh, cry, you've sent me off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's basically what they do. Well, we're here to talk about films, aren't we, Mike? I hope so. Yeah, we are. And problems. Have you any, any problems? Have you got any problems, but neither of us ever what's have any pro- problems. Wait, what's your problem, mate? I don't have a problem, mate. What's your problem? It's mate, mate, I don't have a problem. What's your problem? I, I just want to finish my drink in peace. Spit out. I went to the cinema. Oh, I bet you did. Yeah, I did. I went to see a small uh, British comedy film uh, called Mindhorn. I couldn't watch this film. Why? Because six years ago, I wrote a pilot which got quite far in comedy stages about a detective set on the Isle of Wight who was a backwards sort of mental detective. Right. And he was solving it, lots of Isle of Wight cases. And then I saw this come out and I thought, oh, that is really similar to That's the idea. That's exactly what it is, yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's, a, it's about an actor played by Julian Barrett from The Mighty Boosh, amongst other things. And uh, he was... Uh, in the sort of 70s and 80s he played a character called Mindhorn on television who uh, was basically the six million dollar man in that he had a bionic eye that could literally see the truth and it was a shit TV cop show basically set on the Isle of Wight and Isle of Man Isle of Man you're right you're right Um, and he is now an out of work overweight ageing actor bald actor Um, oh god and he gets embroiled in an actual uh, police investigation when a slightly crazy person who's believed to be a serial killer, played by um, uh, Russell Tovey, um, who's mentally subnormal and obsessed with Mindhorn, wants to sp- will only speak to Detective Mindhorn, so he has to come back in character to do this. Uh, which is so far so pretty standard setup. It's very similar to Alpha Papa, actually, um, in that regard. So, uh, and the the story goes from there. It's got an enormous number of cameos early doors. 
So he goes for an audition with Kenneth Branagh, his rival who played the sort of um, the Q uh, science boffin character in Minehorn, who is now his rival actor because they made a spin-off of his character and that ended up being bigger than Mindhorn, is played by Steve Coogan. And uh, there's Pl- Andrea Riseborough, who's yeah. in everything, um, and is brilliant. Like um, She's in it as well. Um, it's... Uh, and Simon Callow's in it as himself. So it was written by... Um by Julian Barrett and Simon Farnaby, who you may know it. from... He, Simon Farnaby's in it as well. He's got quite a big part as, as Mindhorn's stuntman. Simon Farnaby, who famously found... Was in a documentary which found Richard the... The bones of Richard the... Richard the Third, really? Yeah, it was his documentary, so it was really weird that he was hosting... A comedian hosting something, which turned out to be Richard the Third in the, in the car park in Leicester. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, Simon Farnaby, you may know from Horrible Histories, and uh, he's also in that gang that made um, uh, Bill, the Shakespeare film. It's all the Eating Live lot, which were a comedy group, which had Alice Lowe in it, and sort of got seen people like Tony Tony Way. Yeah, Tony Way's in it. He's got a part in it. Yes, lots of people uh, of actors that we used to know. But it's. uh, and it, it uh, it's a it's a very funny film. It, it's got it's got loads of good bits. And Julian Barrett, I find so watchable. He's you know, it's really he? fun. He's really fun. For me, the only place it falls down, it seems a bit mean to pick these things apart when it, the odds are so stacked against you getting a film made in the first place. You know, um, but is that the story is a little bit um, bloated. It feels like they have more experience doing small, funny moments than they do telling a romping story. So it, it's it's under 90 minutes, and yet it drags. And okay. that's because they're spending too much time fanning around rather than getting on with your, their story. And also, it feels like too much space has been made in this story to accommodate celebrity cameos. So... Nearly every celebrity cameo is has almost only a flimsy connection to the plot. Um, Steve Coogan is built up and built up and built up as this, you know, his nemesis, and then they have this confrontation, and none of it matters. None of it makes the blindest bit of difference to anything. It just sort of humiliates the lead character a bit, and that's it. It do- it doesn't it doesn't. It's like mm, ah, mm. I, I you know. Are we supposed to be caring about this serial killer on the loose, or is it supposed to be that his? I don't know. There's just something. It needed a dramaturg to look over it and go, "You can tell your story quicker, guys. Uh, you know, a bit better." But there are moments of brilliance in it. There's moments like it gets so surreal at one point, and from that point, I was like, "Yes, okay, I'm with you now. <laughs> I'm with you." When uh, he he gets uh, he gets kidnapped and made up to look like how Mindhorn should look so it, he's been bronzed up and had a wig super glued to his head and he's basically in an action figure sponge body that he's been gaffer taped into around his neck and wrists and he can't get out of it but he's in that for like half the film <laughs> um, it's it's got some really really funny bits and it's you know it, it's, it's a hell of a thing but it's not I don't think it will be remembered as a classic simply because it, it's it, it's it's trying to find its pace at times Did you? where did you go and watch it? I saw it at the Picture House Central like I tend to and were people laughing a lot in oh it? yeah yeah they were they were in fact people were really enjoying it some people were doing that thing of laughing at 
bits where you're like, yeah, that's all right. Come on, calm down. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's it's excellent, and it's it's funny. I, I all of these guys, they have that they have that quality that you you see them on the big screen and they don't look out of place at all. You know. I love Julian Barrett. He's brilliant. He is excellent, isn't he? I think for him, for me, he is always at his best playing a high status loser somebody who considers themselves above everyone but life doesn't agree and mm. it's why I think the part that suited him perfectly was the lead in Nathan Barley when he is cleverer than everyone around him and yet life seems to be rewarding everybody else but him mm. you know and it's just he's got such a withering sort of world weariness to him that's just perfect I remember seeing the Bush before they got all famous. I know they were terrible people at the Hen and Chickens in London. And they were so brilliant, but he would really blew me away on stage. You thought you were absolutely brilliant mm. when he was a real shining light of it. But Noel Fielding got, I suppose, it been more famous. I suppose, or all more. Well, I, th- I think it became a bit of a pop star thing with Noel Fielding that uh, the Bush were one of the first. Getting boring now, but the Bush were one of the things that helped BBC Three decide it was a programme for youth rather than cheap experimental programming that the good things would then make it to BBC Two. So it was when the Bush hit big, they were like, no, we make things for teenagers now. Mm. And part of that was sort of the the love affair of, of the uh, young and horny for Noel Fielding. <laughs> mm. But there you go. Um, How many Davids did you give it? I think I'd give it seven, I think. I found it very funny. I... I, I, I think I'd happily sit through it again on, if it came on telly or something. You know, I think it is it's fun and it's so densely packed with silly gags and stuff that I think another sitting you, you'd get stuff out of it. It's just it's not quite for me. I, I wanted it to go sillier almost. Oh really? Either sillier or straighter, one or the other. But okay. it felt halfway between two stools. I'm definitely going to watch it when it comes on the television or some business like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but Mindhorns, it's well worth a watch. Because I think comedy film is incredibly hard to do. Many people don't get the balance of story and gags right because I think it's phenomenally difficult. Like, American cinema is littered with incredibly talented comedians who, who work beautifully on television making films and they're dog shit. You know, and it's... We, we celebrate still to this day a, a handful of films from the 70s and 80s as being the best comedy films and then very few others get let in you mm. know every now and again one will you know like a Sasha Baron Cohen or um, or you know an Anchorman or something but we still talk about Life of Brian being the best comedy film Blazing Saddles exactly yeah. exactly um, but yes no it, it's, it's well worth a watch do, do, do track it down because it's very funny well um, shall we uh do the old um yeah I think it's time for this here we go here's a letter from David it wasn't you was it no it wasn't me Dear chaps, your recent talk of the worst films of all time reminded me of the 2004 remake of The Lady Killers. Despite being made by the Coen brothers and and starring Tom Hanks in the Alec Guinness role and J.K. Simmons, it is truly dreadful. Whilst I think the original film is one of the best comedies of all time, I'm not opposed to a modern remake. 
And this film has lots of good components on paper, good premise, directors and actors, but is all over the place. It features both the typical Marlon Wayans antics and Tom Hanks reading Edgar Allan Poe. I would rate them with a difference of seven or eight Davids between the original and the remake. Can you think of any other remakes that are so much worse than the original? If you are tired of rubbish films and want something good, I really enjoyed Free Fire recently. Keep watching the films, David. Yeah, I've still not seen Free Fire, which is Ben Wheatley's uh, latest effort yes. about it, apparently all set in a, uh, a shootout, which is a nice idea. Um, I, I will get round to watching Free Fire eventually. I, I didn't bother watching the remake of Lady Killers because it was around that time when I was like, ah, remakes, what's the point? But I suppose we have very different attitudes to remakes, though, don't we? Because we're quite happy for people to do the same play again and again with a different cast. Yeah. I started watching, I can't remember if I said this before or not. I mean, it does feel like a dream most times when I'm around here. Yeah. A nice dream. A nice dream, yeah. Not that nice. No, no. Um, it might but, turn at any point like a, a cheese dream. Yeah. Um, I started watching The Magnific- Magnificent Seven on Netflix. I've seen that, yeah. And the original is brilliant with your Brenner and uh, Steve McQueen. Yes. Um, this is I stopped. I stopped watching after oh, did you? half an hour because it was so boring. It's not great. It's it's got some fun sequences towards the end, as you can guess, because the Magnificent Seven is all about the shootout. But they, as you can predict as well, they've rounded all of the uh, dark edges off it. So it. And and kept the door open for sequels, so it's like, it well, then so why dumb. do the Magnificent Seven? If that's what you're gonna do, yeah. That's a load of shit. Don't watch it. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Um, one of the most boring westerns I ever saw was uh, Cowboys versus Aliens. Have you seen that? Oh, tedious. It's got um, James Bond in it, isn't it's it? Got James Bond in it, and it's uh, and Harrison Ford, and it's directed by John Favreau, but it's terrible. It's tedious. Um, remakes. I mean, most remakes are awful, aren't they? I mean, there's some of them are excel the original, but that's usually because you haven't seen the original. Like it's a bit. A bit the like one this. we always talk about is the thing. The, the, yes. The version of the thing that everyone adores is actually a remake of the old. Yeah, one. I stopped watching the old one. It was quite boring. It's a bit similar to when you listen to a song. The first time you hear a song, the vocalist's voice, although it might not be the best voice, is so ingrained and you associate that sound with a song it's really difficult to like a cover version yes with some, even though they might have a better singing voice it just doesn't yeah, yeah. sit right yeah no I'm I, yeah Re- remakes have changed though haven't they it seems I mean we're getting back to the big franchise chats that we have quite often but it seems the the boundaries between prequels and sequels and remakes have all been blurred now where it's all they're all one thing where mm. you can simultaneously do a remake that is also apparently a sequel and, and, and an origin story exactly yeah yeah so it's all been sort of melded together now don't do origin stories um do we have another letter go on then guess who's written in chris webb no Martin Appleyard? Yes! yes! The runner-up in our greatest fan. It's great uh, uh, competition from last year. It's great to hear from you, Martin Appleyard. He says, Hello, David, Marrick and Buddy. I've recently caught up with the Oscar-nominated German film Tony Erdmann. 
Have either of you seen it? I am obviously aiming that question more at Marek than David, as he is much more cultured and sophisticated. Whoa! Well, I mean, you're not going to win this competition this year, Martin. It is a gentle story about a retired school teacher trying to connect with his grown-up daughter, who has a high-powered, stressful job and works away a lot. I can see how the film got Oscar-nominated, as it is a well-written, touching story, and all the performances in it are well-played. Even some of the wider cast, who only have a short amount of screen time, put in performances that you remember. My problem with the film, though, was the character of Tony Erdman, who is a complete dick throughout. I'm not complaining about the actor who plays him, Peter Simonischik. You say that. I'm I'm hardly going to do it correctly. Peter... Simon Ischik. Simon Ischik. <laughs> because he does a brilliant job. It is the character itself who is such a knob jockey that it spoilt my enjoyment of the film completely. This also happened to me with the Nick Frost character in Shaun of the Dead, which spoilt my enjoyment of that film too. Question. Are there any characters in films that irritate you so much that it spoils the film for you? Shelley Duvall in The Shining is a famous one that people reference, but I don't mind that one. Interestingly, Jack Nicholson is coming out of retirement to play the lead in the Hollywood remake of Tony Erdman. Keep watching the films, Martin Appleyard. Brackets, still not replied to Chris Webb's friend request. Close bracket. <laughs> well, thank you, Martin. Um, I just missed Tony Erdman because it had a limited release over here. I have never I, heard of it. I wanted to go and see it. It's basically about, I think, a dad who tries to win back his daughter's love and he dresses up as pretending to be someone else in a really really bad wig right and just embarrasses his grown up daughter I can't remember why but it, it's supposed to be really weird and it was quite unusual for a comedy to be nominated for best yeah, yeah. film it sounds like a remake of Mrs Doubtfire no I think it it, it was quite eclectic oh hang on no I have I seen a trailer for this? I think you probably did do around This is it. ringing a bell now. He has a really weird wig and he's just acting like a dick and a really annoying dad the whole time. Um, anyway, I will get around to watching uh, Tony Erdman. But any performances that have put you off a film entirely? Well, that's why... Uh, I've talked about Ghostbusters quite a lot recently, but the in Ghostbusters 2, uh, the performance of... What was her name... The the kooky sort of Egon character. What? Oh, the female one. Yes, Janine. No, not Janine. Uh, the four main ones. Yeah. And um, oh, Rick Moranis. No, no, not in, in the old in the Lady Ghostbusters. The oh, Green in the new one. That's yeah. What, you said Ghostbusters two. You confused me. Oh, sorry. I meant Ghostbusters the new one. The character Kate McKinnon. Oh yeah, yeah. Who plays Hulksman in Ghostbusters the remake? I found so annoying. I could barely watch the film. Fair it enough. Totally ruined it. Well, I I turned off uh, Captain Corelli's mandolin after fifteen minutes. Um, basically. As soon as Nicolas Cage came on screen and started speaking, I turned it off. And he plays Captain Corelli. Wow. Yeah, I just went, no, I cannot. I cannot deal with Cage doing an Italian accent. That is just, it's too much for me. Um, and I've never seen it. Shelley Duvall doesn't, doesn't annoy me in Shining. No, not at all. Not at all. I think she's fantastic. Yeah, I think she adds to, if anything, she adds to the horror because her face is a, incredible. It's a horror show. And um, she's very vulnerable, so it makes it a lot more scary. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, well, it's nice to hear from Martin Appleyard. I wonder how Chris Webb's going to feel about that dig, though. Well, 
Well, Chris Webb is still very much high up in our charts because uh, are we moving on? No, no, I'm just looking at. I'm just, I'm just playing. thinking. You know. Yes, yeah. Well, oh, we'll just do one more letter, shall okay, we? Okay, fine. Uh, this is from Janice Earls. Uh, she's talk referencing episode two hundred eighty six, ear shape, which we talked about ear shape being whether it improves hearing. Oh yes. And she's written and saying, you wonder whether the shape of our ears improves hearing. My dad had both ears removed due to melanoma. The plastic sur- surgeon sought him out to ask if his hearing had been affected. It hadn't. His hearing was perfect. How weird. So now you know. Keep watching the films. Americ, apply sun cream to the top and the back of your ears if you're still in the great outdoors. I never think of putting sun cream on my ears, do you? Yeah, I do, yeah. My well, parents always taught me to do that. Well, that is a great tip, Janice. I'm sorry to hear that happened to your dad, but it is an interesting fact. It is. And an, a very good warning ahead of these summer months yeah. sun cream sun- your ears because they're basically solar panels aren't they facing the sun right at the back there maximum heat well that's all we've still we've got lots of letters to, we've gone up to the 8th, 16th of May in letters so if you wrote your letter after the 16th of May we will get to you we yes but we haven't yet <laughs> um, we will get to you um Right. It's, it's my birthday today as well. It is happy birthday. Well, it's, we're recording this beforehand, so it's not my birthday. So I don't know how I'm going to feel. You're optimistically imagining you're going to live to your next well, birthday. Well, I might not, yeah. What have you got me? <laughs> I've got you this. What? It's a film sent in by Chris Webb. Yeah, but I got you it. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, it's from me. Because it arrived at my house. Happy birthday. It's from Chris Webb. Yeah, but... I, I've given you the electricity from my TV to watch it. Oh, thanks. I haven't got a DVD player, so um, it, don't send me any DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thank you very much to Chris. Chris sent in a film for and uh, last weekend, Cliff sent in a film. This is a film he wanted us to watch to review, so we had no choice but to review it. We really didn't. We felt compelled to. It's called Out of the Blue. Yes, first of all, thank you very much, Chris. It's very yeah, kind. thank you, Chris. Um, what happens in it, then? Okay, Out of the Blue... This is a New Zealand film. Um, I'm just looking at what year it was made. But um, it's from 2006? Yes. 2006. Now, this is uh, based on a true story about a massacre in a town in New Zealand, uh, which happened in 1990. Um, And it stars... uh, Nobody you'd know apart from Carl Urban. It's an early film from Carl Urban, who we now know played Aomir and Judge Dredd and other people. But it's about, basically, a very strange, isolated gun collector who just snaps one day. Yes, it's based on a true story. Yes. Um, And we watched it. It was interesting because we watched it together and we both felt compelled to look up and see <laughs> which, which is looking up spoilers as it turns out because yeah. the, the truth it holds very rigidly yes pretty much I mean with a couple of exceptions uh, to you know to aid storytelling but it, it's very faithful to the events and, and to the people who lost their lives you know it's I I found it's a I think it's a very firstly I think it's a very good piece of filmmaking like they the tension I thought was in intense as soon as you know it's the idea of there being somebody on on the loose with a gun is it's just sort of terrifying it captures that terror i mean and, and quite resonant at the moment with what sort of happened in recently in manchester yeah. 
and you feel, it, it makes you feel it does make you feel very depressed <laughs> but it's it does that thing which does what's that what's that oh, what's the nuclear war film set in the 80s they were threads. going about threads that similar thing at the start where the first bit and there aren't really you know, aren't spoilers really it's just normal yeah it's just normal people's normal and if anything somewhat too mundane I suppose possibly but I I thought it, I, I and I was thinking that at the time because when you know what the concept is you are just waiting for it to kick off and that's quite uncomfortable and and so I think you can also end up blaming the film for making you feel this way because <laughs> you're like when's it gonna happen I can't stand it um, but uh, I thought it I thought it was excellent I thought it it portrayed very realistically what normal suburban people would do reacting to basically finding themselves in a in a war zone oh, you know, it, people have no training they don't yeah. know what to do they don't you know and it's it is it, it is harrowing I think yeah it made me feel the terror you can feel your the hair stand up on your arms you feel that, that sort of sickening it captures that within the normality at the start that switch is just alright oh, yeah, there's a mental person yeah. and you are fucked and how and how you know that it's such a thin line between you know places being safe and people feeling comfortable with their neighbours and then some, somebody snapping um, what my problem which I don't know how I, I was just thinking about, um, about this on the way here because we watched it uh, a couple of days ago um, is that um, how would I feel I think there's some is there something weird going on I can't I am as usual I'm not articulate to to <laughs> describe my feeling is there something unpleasant and quite voyeuristically wrong about watching a film although it is an account of a massacre is still tense but you're waiting for these people to get killed and there's some sort of because in your head you associate it with say watching Alien Covenant where you're watching but you're waiting going, mm. he's going to die he's going to die he's going to die what? and you're watching a, a, an account of it but these people are real people and if I was a relative of this person this reduced to this character I know what, I know what you're killed. saying it, it, it maybe feels a bit uncomfortable to have turned an, a ostensibly an entertainment it turned the, this massacre into an entertainment um, I think it's an I think it's an interesting point. I don't know I don't know if I feel uh, it's it's in some way inappropriate. I don't I don't know if I do because we read so many news stories about people losing their lives and you know hideous accidents and and terrorist acts you know bombings and shootings and all of this and to the point where it's very hard to actually. Um, humanize the victims of these things because they are just statistic they're numbers and you know it, and they it happens so often all over the world it, it I think films like this can show you what what the, as close as we can get without you know it being a documentary which would be too much to have you know actual footage of the event of what these people uh, were like and what it's like in that community and then what it means when this happens and and make us empathise more with, with an event like this and therefore try and understand it and sort of 
um, well, it's, that's the power of storytelling really is is the ability to let us be there without being there and mm. I think I think that has a value I think that's sort of important that that happens in fact probably has slightly more value or a very different value to showing showing a steroid filled jock murdering a load of people and us being on his side you know I think I th- I know what you're saying it didn't for me verge into melodrama at all and I think that's important yeah. when telling a true story that at no point did we feel it was sort of bombastic and start to feel the kind of feelings <laughs> that we feel when we're watching something fantastical or something epic you know it felt real and stayed within those lines and I Therefore, we were forced to sort of feel things, to imagine ourselves in that situation rather than go, yeah, go, he's the hero, you go, man, which isn't a very real feeling. Yeah. I, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was a tastefully done. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. It yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And I agree. it's definitely very unsettling because even walking home, you sort of, when the film affects you, yes. you sort of just feel, oh, right, I feel a little bit unsettled in general. I, and I did. I, 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 you suddenly become more aware of danger. You have a heightened sense of oh, your own vulnerability. Oh, yeah. And and, and uh, that, for me, is is testament to how this is a good piece of art. It has made you think about stuff. It reminded me of a film, quite obviously, why, called Elephant, which was about a high school shooting in America. Yeah. And I actually found this more uh, moving than that. I felt Elephant verged on melodrama every now and again with its portrayal of a alcoholic American father and then these young teens who were um, also closetedly gay and, and so weren't accepted. And it felt like Elephant didn't quite get to the root of any truth about these people, whereas I thought this was very moving. Especially, actually, I think the standout performance or or portrayal perhaps because it's a collaboration was of the the grandmother and her her act of just there was there was no sort of weeping and breaking down and you know having it was it was her just doing the right thing without sort of pause at all times and i thought that was so normal and human actually mm. that felt very like you wouldn't see that in a film that was written as a piece of fiction and and this character also, you know, got a got a medal for her bravery afterwards. No spoilers of what she does, but you'll see. Yeah, um, I think it's a really interesting film. I'm surprised it's not. Um, maybe it was more well known, but I'm surprised it wasn't. Uh, it's not more you know, celebrated. Cause, cause Elephant. Yeah. Everyone's heard of it. I've heard of Elephant, yeah, yeah. but I've not ever heard of this before. No. Um, well, I think it might have something to do with the fact the artwork on the DVD box is rubbish. Like if you saw that, you'd think it was a free film you got with a, a copy of a gun magazine. Yeah, like it, it looks budget. It looks uh, rubbish, but um, it's not. It's it's an excellent film. Um, no, I I would recommend tracking it down. It's not a comfortable watch, but it's a it's a very well constructed film. I mean, we were worried that Chris Webb had sent a, a video of a DVD of him masturbating as a as a birthday present. I mean, it would have been a hell of a trick. And that would have been that would have been very harrowing yeah that it just started with establishing shots of mundane suburban New Zealand life and then and then him getting his iPod out getting the latest film Fandango yeah and and luckily it was less harrowing than that but thank you very much Chris for I mean I don't know what I'd get I'd, I'm still waiting to see what I'm at seven Marics maybe eight I think I'd give it nine I thought oh really, really I thought it was excellent yeah yeah an excellent piece of work 
you've also now given other people the idea of sending us masturbation DVDs of themselves. Please do not send us any masturbation DVDs. No. But do donate to help film fund <laughs> Yeah, you know, why not put your energies into that? Uh, go to filmfandango.com and click the donate button. Um, everyone who already has, thank you very much. Um, and keep your film suggestions coming, coming in. in. Yeah, we, I mean, our favourite part of this, I've said it before and I'll say it again, is when... <laughs> We hear about films that perhaps the mainstream doesn't tell us about so much, and then we can share them with you. Uh, there's Buddy in the background agreeing with me. So, yeah, do get in contact with us on filmfandango.com, and you can click the contact form there and get in touch with us. Um, but well, that's it, I think. Yeah? Thanks, everyone. Happy birthday, Mary. Happy birthday, mate. And we'll see you next week. Keep, Keep watching, watching the, the films. films. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.